Welcome to Monmouth Community Christian Church. It's wonderful to, to see you today, to join together as we worship our Lord Jesus Christ together. And wherever you are at in your spiritual journey, whether this is new to you or you're already a committed follower of Christ, we hope you'll find a spiritual home here as we together grow in the hope that Jesus brings. Well, today is a very special honor. I get to introduce to you my father, Reverend Dr. Orville Hebe, who will preach to us today. Uh, my dad has served for over 30 years as a senior pastor of, of Word of Life Alliance Church in the Minneapolis, Minnesota area. And he and my mom are my greatest mentors in life and in ministry, and they're some of my closest friends. So this time, let's welcome my dad, Pastor Orville Heath. Thank you. Well, thank you, uh, Nathan, for that warm welcome. <laughs> it's uh, good to be here. I'm glad we're here. And uh, it's good to be here in person or with you in, in, in this room. We watch this service very often, almost every Sunday. We tune in online, and, um, and I recognize your worship leader, even with his mask on this morning, and, uh, it's, and Elder James, uh, remember him from uh, a couple of years ago. So really, I, I'm really glad we're here with you. I'd like you to turn to Psalm 23 if you have your Bibles with you. I'd like to read Psalm 23, and I'd like to read all six verses. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, our focus this morning will be on verse 6. Uh, we are going to look at God's plan for facing the future. You know, a lot of people spend their lives worrying about the future. They, they never enjoy today because they're always thinking about the things that might go wrong tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. None of us know what's going to happen tomorrow. And as David concludes this psalm, Psalm 23, he does not seem to worry about tomorrow. He says, surely... Goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, for David, there seems to be no anxiety or fear of the future. He seems confident. He, he says, surely, surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Now, where can we get that kind of confidence well, if we are believers, followers of Christ, we have reasons for not fearing the future. And we can face the future confident, confidently because God is watching over us. 
David wrote, surely goodness will follow all the days of my life. We can expect that no matter what happens to us, God will bring good out of it somehow. It will always either be for our own good or for the good of other people or for the good of the kingdom. God is a good God. In Psalm 145, verse 20, we read, The Lord watches over all who love him. Now, God cares about the details in our lives. Like a father, he will provide for us in the future. We don't know what the future holds, but we know the one who holds the future. I have a strong belief in the sovereignty of God. I believe God is in control. I believe that God is omnipotent, all-powerful. I believe that God is omniscient or all-knowing, and I believe that God is omnipresent, everywhere present through his Holy Spirit. And so I have this strong belief that God is in control. I believe that he loves us and, and wants to help us. Again, we read, surely goodness will follow. Now, what does that mean? Obviously, David had disappointments in his life, great disappointments. His son Absalom turned on him, rebelled against him, and tried to take over the kingship from David. Not everything that happened to David was good. He's not saying, surely only good things are going to happen to me. That's not what David is saying, because sometimes bad things happen to good people. What he is saying is that goodness will follow. Good things will come out of whatever happens. The good, the bad, and the ugly. One of God's wonderful promises is found in Romans 8.28, where we read, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. But notice this promise is not for everyone. I see this as a conditional promise. All things do not work together for good for everyone in the world. Things may work together for bad instead of good for people who are not choosing to follow God, for those who reject Christ, for those who don't want anything to do with Jesus. Things might turn out for bad, but for believers, for believers. I mean, this promise, and I'm sure most of you are believers, uh, this promise is for us. We know that in all things, God works for our good because we love him. It says, for those who love God, not all things are good, not all things are good in our lives, but they're working together for our good. And sometimes when I think back to some of the trials I've gone through, and you've all gone through trials. I mean, that's a part of life. When I think back and review some of the trials in my mind of the things that have happened to me, I think back and I, I, I see how God used that to, to touch me, to change me, to bring me closer to him. Not all things are good, but they are working together for good. That, that's what the psalmist means when he writes, goodness will follow me. There is no difficulty, there is no 
dilemma, there is no defeat, there is no disaster in the life of a Christian that ultimately God won't bring some good out of. Eventually, he'll bring good out of it somehow. And he knows exactly how to do it. God is a lot smarter than we are. And he knows, he knows what it takes to, to touch us and change us and to make us more like Jesus. It's difficult to see God's goodness when we are going through a tragedy. And sometimes we don't feel like God is good. We don't feel his love. I remember when we first came to Christ, um, you know, there was that first love that the book of Revelation talks about. And, and um, my wife and I, it was the happiest time of our lives. We had just come to, we came to Christ and uh, a month later, Nathan is born, our first son. And um, I mean, we were, we thought we were in heaven. I mean, it was wonderful. I can't even describe it, but we loved every minute of every day for the first year. And then God decided it's time for us to start walking by faith and not feelings. And I remember that feeling, that first love, you know, slipping away, and I, I tried to hold on to it, but it got away, and we had to start walking by faith. And it's not like we don't have those good feelings anymore, but it's not quite like that first love. Now God wants us to walk by faith. And I think that's true for, for, for every believer. God wants to teach us to walk by faith, not by feelings. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. The Apostle Paul, you know, he was put falsely in prison in Rome. And, well, was that good? Uh, no. But, you know, while in prison, Paul wrote some books that we now read in our Bibles. Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians. Uh, those are books that Paul wrote while he was in prison. So you might say that that's the good that came out of his imprisonment. And today we are benefiting from Paul's problems, his, his pain and his difficulty. Well, God says, I will watch over you. So how does God watch over believers? Well, in Psalm 91, it talks about angels. It talks about how he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. God uses angels to watch over us. Uh, Angels are real. They, they are invisible helpers. And although there's some speculation that once in a while an angel may appear to us in bodily form. I don't know if that's true or not. But some believe that. Um, David had angels guarding him. And bad things happened to him. One thing we can count on, God will always be with us through adversity. He doesn't exempt us from adversity, but when we go through adversity, he is always there with us. We can face the future confidently because God is watching over us. We can also face the future confidently because God's grace is working in us. 
not only goodness will follow us, but also love. In Psalm 23, verse 6, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Now this is grace. God's goodness and love following me all the days of my life. Grace can be used as an acronym for God's riches at Christ's expense. The G standing for God and the, the R for riches, the A for at, the, the C for Christ and the E for expense. We experience God's riches because of the price that Jesus paid on the cross. He paid it all. God descri Grace describes the fact that God gives us what we need, not what we deserve, but what we need. So why do we need grace? Well, because we are imperfect. We, we stumble and we fall and, and we make mistakes. If we have given our lives to Jesus, Jesus on the cross has taken the penalty for everything we have ever done wrong. He paid for it. We did not. So when something bad happens, it doesn't mean that God is somehow trying to get even with us for our wrongdoing. God doesn't get even for things that have already been paid for on the cross. When we understand God's grace, we have no need to fear the future. Uh, the psalmist David in Psalm 103 speaks of benefits, which are the results of God's grace. And in Psalm 103, uh, beginning with verse 2, it says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies you, your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. Now, where else are you going to find the benefits that are listed here? Where else are you going to find forgiveness? Where else are you going to find redemption? Where else are you going to find love and compassion and strength? You're not going to find it at a shopping mall. You're not going to find it at an amusement park. You will not find it in a Buddhist temple. Grace means that when I'm going through a tough time, when I'm going through the valley, a difficulty, even one that I've brought on myself, God is there to help me if I turn to him. And so often we try to take care of it with our own small bit of wisdom and strength, and we try to do it our way until we discover it's not going to work. And then we turn to God, and he helps us. As we go through life, we, we will experience different kinds of days. Uh, some days are going to be light and merry and, and joyful, and other days are going to be hard and sad and difficult. And that's why we fear the future. We, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, how many good days are up ahead for us or how many bad days are ahead of us we don't know but we'll never face a day without god's goodness and love if we have given our lives to jesus he will be with us some days it may seem that he is not with us 
but he is. Those of you who are married, you know, one, of, one, one day one of you will die, you or your spouse. Uh, the other one will then have to face life without his or her mate. Well, God will be with you. God's goodness will take care of the good days. And God's grace will take care of the hard days. God has promised, never will I leave you nor forsake you. And God never breaks a promise. We're told in the book of Corinthians that no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. You know, sometimes we, we get so worked up about the future, we start what-ifing. You know, we think, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? Again, God has promised, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Now this psalm, Psalm 23, is a psalm about shepherding. It starts out with, the Lord is my shepherd. You see, you drive cattle, but you, you lead the sheep. And the difference is that, that sheep are led from the front. The shepherd is in front of the flock. And if you were to go to the Middle East and find a flock of sheep with a shepherd leading them, you might find a couple sheep dogs following the, the, the herd to protect and help move the herd along. Sheepdogs love being sheepdogs because they were made for that. You know, goodness and love are like divine sheepdogs that follow us. They are following behind, keeping us safe, and keeping us from getting lost. The Lord, are, the Lord is our shepherd, and we are his sheep, the sheep of his pasture, the Bible says. He leads us. He doesn't drive us. If you feel driven, it's not God driving you. God leads us. He doesn't drive us. The psalmist wrote, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. We can face the future confidently because God's grace is working in us. We can also face the future confidently because heaven is waiting for us. The psalmist David wrote, and I will, he said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now that's one of the most important little connections that we see in the Bible. It connects today with tomorrow. It connects the present with the future. God tells us this in Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to, to prosper you and, and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And I believe that this passage in Jeremiah is speaking about God's plan for us here on this earth. But the psalmist is saying that there is more. There is something else waiting for us at the end of this life on earth. And David ends Psalm 23 by saying, we're going to heaven. He says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus saves the best for last. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, we read, Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. 
Now, an eternal house is a forever house. And how long is forever? Well, it's forever. Now, someday our bodies will die, but we will not. Our earthly bodies are going to end, but that's not going to be the end of us. We have a living soul. We're going to live forever in one of two places, heaven or hell. They are both real. They're both real. And again, our bodies will die, but we will not. You see, we were made to last forever. Why are the followers of Christ the most confident people regarding the future? Well, the reason we are so confident is because we've read the book. And we know who wins in the end. We're looking forward to our heavenly bodies. Uh, death for Christians is a, it's a transfer. It's a promotion. It's on to better things. Uh, no more trouble or sorrow. It is not possible to live a life of peace and joy here on this earth unless we are prepared to die. We're not ready to live until we're ready to die. We don't know how long to live unless we are prepared to die. We don't know how to live unless we're prepared to die. Now, why would anyone go through this life totally unprepared for what is inevitable? Everybody knows that it's inevitable. Someday, each of our lives will end. We're going to die someday. We're going to die in some place, and we're going to die in, in some way. If we know Jesus as our personal Savior, we're going to heaven. And I'm looking forward to that. What will heaven be like? Well, we will be rewarded for our faithfulness to God and, and our obedience and following Jesus. We're going to be reunited with loved ones who, who knew the Lord, who know the Lord, and are with him now. We'll be doing things in heaven, things that we enjoy. We will be released from pain and from sorrow and from fear. In Revelation 21, verse 4, we read, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Now, heaven sounds like a pretty cool place to me, a lot cooler than the other place. So who is heaven made for? It's made for those who say, I want to be a child of God. I want to receive Jesus as my personal Savior. I want to be a part of the family of God. That's who heaven is reserved for. Everybody is created by God, but not everybody is a part of the family of God. Only those who have placed their trust in Jesus as their personal Savior. For followers of Christ, Earth is only the warm-up act. It's uh, the opening act 
before the main event. This isn't the main attraction. Life on earth is preparation for, for the big event where we will spend all of eternity. We may spend 60 or 70 or 80 or 90 years here on this planet, but we'll spend forever in heaven. You know, we are only visitors here on this planet. Uh, the Bible calls us strangers. And in some Bible translations, we're called aliens. So this is not our home. Uh, our real home is in heaven. And I know for young people, it's kind of hard to, you know, think that far ahead. But, you know, you'll get old someday, just like us. And so our primary goal should not be trying to accumulate more and more and more things here on this planet, but it should be to prepare for heaven. And the way we prepare is by knowing Christ. You know, I don't... I don't have any doubt in my mind that I will go to heaven when I die. And I, I don't, I'm not saying that arrogantly or boastfully. I'm saying that simply because it's true. I have no doubt in my mind that I will go to heaven. Not because I deserve to go to heaven. I do not deserve to go to heaven. I'm going to heaven because I've done what the Bible tells me about receiving Christ. In John 1.12, it says, As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. My wife and I, we grew up going to church and Sunday school. And um, in fact, uh, her family always sat about five rows ahead of us in church. And so she was always kind of in my view. And it was kind of hard to listen to the sermon. You know, she was my girlfriend. And you know, you know all about that. Um, we grew up going to church and we knew that God was real. I, I knew God existed. We had a lot of things in our lives, but we didn't have Jesus. And our lives lacked purpose and meaning and direction. And I remember walking around at, in, in my work at the hospital saying, there's got to be more to life than this. I would say it out loud. And people would look at me like, what's up with you, you know? They were enjoying their stuff, you know, and all the things they were accumulating, and I was not. And I said, there must be more to life than this. And there was. God started bringing people into our lives who, who knew the Lord, who had come to Christ uh, recently, and they, they shared uh, their testimonies with us, how they came to Christ, and, and we were ready. I mean, we were ready to commit our lives to Christ on September 29th, 1975, about a month before Nathan was born. We, we received Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, and life has never been the same since. Now our lives have purpose and meaning and direction, and I praise God for that. You might say that God rescued us it was a rescue operation. He had to rescue me from myself. And he had to rescue me from the world. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right 
to become children of God. Lord Jesus, we thank you today for the reminder of your goodness and love, your grace that you've promised every day of our lives. If we will trust you, if we will surrender all that we are to you and allow you to be the Lord of our lives, allow you to be the good shepherd who leads us. And I pray for any here today that are struggling, Lord, to make that surrender. Any here today that are struggling to, to allow you to be the Lord of their life. Give them the grace, I pray, the faith that they need to make this surrender, to allow you to come in, to change them and to lead them to give them hope that nothing, nothing can take away ever. Go with us now, Lord. Let your blessing be upon us. I pray that this week we would be your people, people of hope who shine forth the love and truth of Jesus Christ to all those around us. We pray in your name, Lord. Amen.